0: Hello everybody, welcome to this week's issues program in episode 2 of Star Trek Month. This week we're going to be looking at a couple of interesting things that are coming up in hype anticipation for the movie. Yeah, next week is the episode directly right before the movie, but we're going to get into a few things that have been posted recently this week. And a couple other things we're going to talk about on this week's episode. And it's all in anticipation for this Star Trek movie to come out on May 17th. I've been watching all the old series, catching up on some of the old movies, watching, I think, a couple of episodes and or, and or films that were, are really important for anticipation for this uh, new J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. I've been watching Space Seed <laughs> from the original series. I watched that a couple of times because in some ways a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that Khan's in this movie and it's recanoned and all this you know, it's another Star Trek two Wrath of Khan. But what I'm guessing is is it's going to be more of a hmm, a prequel or a reimagination of the events that happen in Space Seed and stuff that you learn about in that situation and how the change in the universe might have affected Khan and some of the other people in the in the eugenics wars. That's what I'm guessing that uh, this movie's going to be dealing with a little bit, and I've made it a point to try not to look into too many spoilers or things like that leading up to it. I have watched the trailers and... and and subscribe to the hype that the main character in the film will be Khan, or maybe, if not Khan, another genetic person from the Botany Bay, maybe someone else that survived. I I don't know. But I've also been watching The Wrath of Khan, watched the, the second J.J. Abrams movie again, and uh, I'm anticipating I'm also playing the video game, the Star Trek video game, which I will uh, talk about probably after I see the movie, because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that has not played the game or does not give a crap as much as I do about bridging the the gap between the two the two films. I was a big fan. I'm not saying a, a fan's an interesting word, but I'm a fan of movies that bridge gaps like that. I liked when The Dark Knight, Batman Begins in the Dark Knight did something similar in an animated, animated form. Uh... I forget what it was called. Gotham Knights, maybe, I think it was called. Yes, I was correct. It's Gotham Knights. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of those type of films, whether they be in animated form or, in some cases, in video games that bridge gaps of movies. It It's something I quite enjoy. I like the expanding of universes to to just look into it more. It's why I really enjoy some of the books on tape, and I enjoy some fan fiction in certain universes. Heroes, I'm looking at you. I enjoy heroes fan fiction because the people that loved heroes and knew how the characters should have been written are writing some of these tales of how the series should have proceeded after after the events of A Brave New World, I believe it was called, where uh, where Claire talks to the press. But... I don't want to get on a whole Heroes thing. There is a rumor that there might be a Heroes remake or reboot, some some sort of thing on, I believe it's going to be the Xbox Live television series, this new age that we're entering in television, and I wonder where Star Trek's going to fit into that, because I'm convinced there will be another Star Trek television series. I talked about this a bit last week, but I don't know if it's going to be the Worf series. I don't know if it's going to be something else set in the future. Set another ship in the J.J. Abrams universe at the same time as Kirk, as this new Kirk and everything. I, I'm wondering where they'll go. But the the thing I'm most curious moost. It's like most, but half kind of. I get moist about it. I'm like moist and moost. The thing that I'm most curious about is what kind of medium this film will be in. Television's a different marketplace now, with what Netflix wants to do and is starting to do, and ousting a lot of their properties just to open the door for more original series. They want to be more like HBO was in the 90s, the place where you have quality cable television programs. We'll see. And then HBO Go is coming and all these other companies are doing similar streaming programs. We're in this age of streaming. And it just makes me need to urinate for some reason. Whenever I hear the word streaming, I just think of my stream of Either that or stream of consciousness. Peeing. Peeing stream of consciousness. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But I like, so I read the comic book that bridged the gap. I'm a big fan of webisodes for, webisodes, webisodes? Webso- I'm a big fan of web- (laughs) Webisodes. I'm a big fan of web series, you know, that bridge the gap between television episodes the walking dead does it breaking bad has done it heroes was i believe one of the first shows to do it and uh, and i re- i really like that i like how it adds more depth and more it makes it a more rounded universe that you're in and uh, and i like that star trek has done that too in the star trek online video game in the star trek comic book both things about the new film were included and the facts that Geordi built the ship that Spock flew into it, that weird butterfly-looking spaceship thing. Uh, Geordi built that before has been replaced by Data, Data's consciousness that he implanted or downloaded, whatever, into before in Nemesis has uh, has come out and Data is back and the captain of the Enterprise. You know, so a lot of those things that expand that universe was really fun to me, and it makes me... Hopeful that makes me hopeful that a new series will come from that and expand the universe even further. Like I was saying, I've been watching everything, getting into everything without getting into too many spoilers. And and I'm playing through the video game, and I will, like I said, I will give a good review of that later. But I've been watching Space Seed, watch the new movie, even watch Nemesis again and Insurrection, and I watch pretty much every single film again. Ex- with the exception of the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek 1979, because I had, and I talked about this in last week's episode, I it hasn't been that long since I've seen it and I'm not in a hurry to go back and watch it again. And funny enough, I woke up this morning thinking about what to do and what to talk about on the show. <laughs> and... I was like, what am I going to talk about on this show, dude? No, I knew what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the films. But funny enough, on the same day that I was going to talk about the films, uh, IGN, right there, .com, put out what they consider their ranking order. I don't know how they came up with this list. I haven't read into it too much. We're going to go through this one at a time here about what they believe are the top Star Trek series. Ranking them all, they even have an audio version of it, or watching video. So let's so let's watch this for not watch it. We're gonna see some commercials. Let's tu- I'm turn down the volume because I know I'm gonna see a commercial. So let's watch a little bit of what they think of Star Trek, this hype to Star Trek into the darkness, and and yes. Oh, Star Trek music coming computer. off the
1: high that was Star Trek First Contact, Insurrection should have been so much more, but instead it plays like a revamped version of a bunch of old episodes. Picard has to save some space hippies, who seem like they live in the Napa Valley. It all turns into a Fountain of Youth analogy, with another half-baked romance for Picard. And making the film doubly disappointing is the fact that it was written by the late, great, next-generation showrunner, Michael Piller.
0: Okay, they say for the number 11 worst movie, the worst of the whole bunch is Insurrection. And... I don't know if I agree with that. I think Insurrection is bad. Don't get me wrong. Insurrection is horrible. I think it, in some ways, it's the worst... Let me think about this for a second. It's the worst of the next generation movies. I said this last week, too. It's the worst of the next generation. But I do not think it's the worst of all the Star Trek movies. I mean, maybe I'm preempting what I think is the worst, but you guys might have an impression. But I think... I think Insurrection is, and he hinted at that, the uh, the person who made the video here, hinted at that information. The problem with Insurrection, more than anything, is it feels like a television series. And the author, so I give him credit, is Scott, messing up his name time, Collier. So, let's see that. <laughs> Sorry if I messed up your name, Scott. Um, so, he says Insurrection is the worst one, and... Uh, I don't know about that. I think, I think it is the worst Next Generation movie. It feels the mo the least like a movie as the compared to all of the rest. But it, I don't. I think it's a decent episode of Next Generation. If that was a two part episode, it, I would have enjoyed it. it. It was all right. But the fact that one of the guys from Deep Space Nine wrote that, I guess that makes it even more disturbing. And I mentioned this again last week but it just dictates my issue that at the time you you had a much more open universe. You know, if they had done some flashes to the Voyager cast, flashes to the especially to the Deep Space 9 cast at times, you know, this movie and Nemesis could have been much better than they were, I believe, with a few things. Let's go on to his number 10 worst freaking Star Trek film. Oh wait, we got a we got a clip from uh from Insurrection first. Let's let's listen to a clip from Insurrection if we don't get a YouTube fucking ad. YouTube's crazy with these ads. They're like people going to watch this, we need to we need to put more commercials in more freaking commercials. Okay. Yeah, Insurrection's too bad. We're not a uh, doesn't look like we're getting uh Access to us clip of it. I'll give you a clip of it. Oh, data. You need to have fun. You need to swim harmony And it is also human nature for some of us to want what we do not have this is the trailer whoa
1: Alert. Area 12.
0: Okay, I already have one comment about the trailer for insurrection the the name and this trailer
1: Trying to remove the headpiece. Do not oh,
0: delay yeah. the countdown. <laughs> may, may have had some part in people hating this film, because from this trailer, it seems like this is going to be an exciting action movie. In a, mo- in a name like Insurrection, this is post Dominion War. You have a lot of shit going on you could have done here, but nope. Nope. Nada.
1: Nemesis barely avoids the bottom spot here. If only because it's more memorable than Insurrection. Mm. While the film has an intriguing premise, dealing with a clone of Picard who comes back to haunt the crew, Mm -hmm. the franchise was really showing its age at this point. But you know, you kinda can't go wrong with a young Tom Hardy as evil Picard.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's why it would be much higher on my list. I don't know why people are so freaking hard on this movie. Is it great? Is it as good as the top tier? No. But is it as bad? Should it be in the bottom bunch with the rest? I personally don't think so. I don't give a shit. It's entertaining to me to watch. Nemesis is... People have gotten to arguments with me about this to me Nemesis doesn't feel too aged. If they're talking about age, you're talking about Brent Spiner playing Data, right? That's what you're talking about. Do I think there were some real big missteps like not having Patrick Stewart play himself at the same age. You could have had flashbacks to Tom Hardy being in the prison camp or something, being young Picard, but at the time when they faced each other, I think it could Patrick Stewart could have could have done some amazing acting against himself one-on-one and i know that's similar to other things they've done in the original series but i don't care and b4 should have been data shouldn't have died at the end spoiler alert sorry i guess i should say spoiler alert before but i'm sorry data shouldn't have died at the end and it should have been lore somehow lore gets back and data and i know again you've done things like this on the show but still there's that's the one problem when you have 7 years of an of a very in-depth to a to an extent especially with what the characters go through maybe not story-wise maybe not comp- but character-wise and understanding who these people are in in certain situations no not many of them changed. not many of them went over c- character arcs like in Deep Space 9 but i mean we learn who these people are in in Next Generation for so many seasons. And it was really difficult to go to a film. They should have gone out on First Contact. They should have just, bam, that's it. First Contact's the last Next Generation movie. And then, I'll say it again, I'm going to say it 20 more times this month, and then it should have been that universe, Berman universe, or whatever you call it, to have the extended stories of all the people we met in those three series. And where they are, and yeah, again, I talked about this before. You don't, you don't end Voyager the way you did, and you have the Deep Space non-cast and the Next Generation cast have to somehow in that last battle. And yes, I'm rewriting the stories. I don't care. Some, somehow in the battle with the Borg in First Contact, the next generation learns about Voyager's location and that they've been at war with Voyager and dealing with, you know, race 112, and learning about that whole situation with Janeway. And then they realize, we finished the Borg here, but we need to save Voyager. You know, that's like the last line of the movie. And then the next movie is the Deep Space Nine cast in the Next Generation cast, or some combination of the two teams together. You know, you have uh, Data and Picard and Worf as a crossover. And then cisco has gone, but you bump into him somehow. So you have, you have somehow you write Quark into it. Somehow you have Julian in it, and you have Miles in it. And maybe you can bring Kira in it, too, somehow. I don't know. No, obviously Garrick, but now I'm, now I'm just playing fan fiction. But I don't think it's that bad of a movie. I just think it's another one of those. I think these two movies specifically, the bottom two on this list, Insurrection and Nemesis, aren't horrible movies. It's they're disappointing films in what... In what people hoped from the franchise, and, ge- and in general, the word Star Trek.
1: ...should have been so much more, but instead it plays like a revamped version of a bunch of old episodes. Uh, we rewind Picard a little bit. Has to save some let's space let's mute the
0: audience for a second. Yeah, he's got to save some space hippies. But yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I saw I saw Nemesis... I borrowed a DVD from somebody and I wasn't expecting much from it and I watched it and I was highly entertained by it that I think it was a great movie no but I really liked Tom Hardy and I didn't know why I was like this guy has some gravitas he he's you know, I believe in some way he's Patrick Stewart as a young man. The difficulty you get with the two of them is they just look so different, and it's never explained why he's that age. And... But here we go, our next one.
1: Star Trek V The Final Frontier is certainly the low point of the original Cruise movie adventures. No! Directed by William Shatner himself, the film tries to capitalize on the humor that worked so well in the last film, The Voyage Home. But it often misses the mark, making yeah, the jokes at I the agree. expense of its characters. I absolutely agree. It has its moments though, as when Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are asked to face their greatest fears. Absolutely. Plus, it gave us this classic line. What does God need with a starship?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Now, I'm I'm
0: actually seeing ahead of what the next one is. Now, I'm gonna let the next one play
1: first, cause before I talk about these two movies, okay. The first Star Trek movie ever, the motion picture was an expensive, high-end epic when compared to many of the films that followed. Kirk is now an admiral, and he's reunited with his crew to confront the massive mm. space puzzle known as V'ger. Yep. Unfortunately, V'ger. the film is kind of a slog. Long, Vagina. slow, and doing its best Stanley Kubrick mm-hmm. impression. But there's a philosophical question at the heart of mm. V'ger's story. No. The kind that you'll find in the best of Trek. No. In the end, Vijay no. is just asking the no. same thing we all no. do at one no. time
0: or no. another. No, no, another. no, no. Is this all that I am? Is there nothing more? How, a very humid of it. Yeah. No. I okay. First off, number five. Now number five would be really low on my list. I I mean I'll get into what my list is eventually at the end here. But number five would definitely be low. It would be probably lower than they have it. Mm, no, we're okay. my bottom film right away since since it's already been said and the whole my bottom few have already been said, my bottom the worst Star Trek movie for me is the first one. I find Star Trek 1 ridiculously boring. I don't think the meaning of it is clear i think it's even convoluted in a way through through aged special effects and i don't think that's what star trek is about i think it is about you know obviously the special effects reflecting the times but but it didn't matter in the original series and it doesn't matter what it looks like in deep space 9 or next generation or voyager because it's not a the special effects are never what it's all about. Spock's airs were really important when the series started, but if it was someone else wearing wearing those airs, the character wouldn't have been the same. The situations wouldn't have been the same. Special effects are a means to an ends, not not the ends itself. And I feel like in the original movie, above anything else, it was all about special effects. It was all about how the ship looks, slow pans. Fuck that Kubrick shit. I mean, for whatever it's worth, block your ears, shout from the skies. The only, there's only like about five minutes of that movie of Space Odyssey that I find enjoyable. The rest of it is boring as fuck, and I can't watch it. And it it really, uh, yeah, it's all about, you know. okay. But I'd rather watch a, you know, a, a Quentin Tarantino movie or... Early Spielberg movies, in some cases late Spielberg movies, to get to get pace, to get meaning, get feeling. You know, Kubrick had a couple of really great movies, but and he ma- he made some amazing art, no doubt. I like some Kubrick work, but Space Odyssey is certainly not one of them. For me, that's a half an hour episode of something wrapped in a fucking five hour movie that didn't need to be that long. I'm sorry, Space Odyssey. The only part is good is when the spaceship turns on them, and that's what everybody remembers about it. Yeah, yeah, I know there'll be a few people out there, like, I remember the, But for the most part, all anyone really remembers is that few seconds of that movie. I don't want, I don't think you should do this, Dave. And that whole section. Most people will think that's the whole movie, but most of the movie is just endless fucking pans in space. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. I hate Space Odyssey. God damn it. And I hate that it's glorified as one of the greatest movies of all time. And Kubrick's like could shit on a fucking stick and people would be like, that's the greatest art ever. And don't get me wrong, again, he did some great work, but there's also an element when someone gets to a point where they do such great work that everything they do is great, and that's not true. I've done many great podcasts, made some good videos, made some great great videos, been acted pretty well in some plays and and things of the such. But and played some great songs, written some great songs. But you know what? I've written some shitty songs. I've writ I've, you know, made some crappy videos. Some of my podcasts have been boring as fuck. I mean and you could say that about anybody. I don't know I mean, I'm not saying you overjudge people, you turn into a troll, and you're everything you do sucks. But you gotta be critical. And you can't just blow smoke up someone's ass. If you really love something, you really love something. If you don't, that, that's what bothers me or excites me both about message boards about things. You go to any television series you can think of, anyone, anyone you like, anyone you like. Go to an IMDb board or some other web website that has message boards, and you'll see at least a few people that are just like, I hate this show. I can't fucking stand it. What happened? to The show jumped the shark. What happened here? This I can't watch this show. This show sucks. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I can't believe what Nemoy did. I can't believe what Shatner did. He's the worst director. Blah, 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 blah. But shut up. And then obviously, there's that one person that's too logical for a message board that says, then why don't you just not watch it? <laughs> and And that makes sense to me. I mean, if you don't like what someone does, if you don't like their art, ultimately, don't watch it. But if you like to hate it, I like to watch shitty things, too, and then comment on it. That's fun, too. I'm not saying the other's wrong. I just think that's funny. And But but the situation is that sometimes people get to a point where they're such a genius that they can't do anything wrong. And I feel like, in some cases, that's the, that's the situation with Space Odyssey, and to the point where so many filmmakers wanted to try to copy it. I don't know why Star Trek didn't try to copy Star Wars. They when you hear interviews about, you know, why they decided to resurrect the series, at that point a lot of times they just sit there and they discuss how how Star Trek influenced I mean Star Wars influenced them. So with Star Wars a success in 77, we were like, "Oh, we can do this." And then they always mention right afterwards, "And then Space Odyssey really inspired us." Maybe it should have been the other way around. Maybe, uh, maybe Space Odyssey should have been, should have uh, encouraged you to the success and the critical acclaim of space travel type, type movies, and perhaps, you know, you should have looked to Star Wars for entertainment value. So for me, clearly the worst of all the Star Trek movies is Star Trek One. It is awful ridiculously awful. My number 2 crappy Star Trek movie would be Insurrection. I'm just slightly bored by it, but it's still emotion it's still emotional in some ways, but it's probably the one I I like the least. Then my next on that list would be Star Trek 5: The Final Frontier. But I, as I mentioned at length last week, and I'm not going to get too much more into that, There's, I like that film in the same way I like bad movies, like I like bad television, like I eat foods that are unhealthy for me and give me an awkward feeling inside. And that's That's the kind of thing that makes me happy, you know? So let's get back to what these people's lists are and see what's next on their list. Number seven.
1: In 1994, Star Trek Generations Generations. took Card's crew to the big screen, while also bringing Kirk back just long enough for him to pass off the baton. And then do this. And die. But while Generations is far from a perfect film, it's frequently a very heartfelt one. And seriously, if you're going to kill off Captain Kirk, who better to do it than this guy?
0: (laughs) Malcolm McDowell they showed. Um, Generations, I guess... I think every Star Trek movie, bad or good, had an interesting idea at its premise. I think Generations, I've read the novel and I've listened to the books on tape. There's a lot more to the first half of that movie that didn't make the cut or they decided not to make. Primarily, I'm I'm guessing because they couldn't get Leonard Nimoy or DeForest Kelly in on the project. So they limited that early section, you know... Not to be as expensive, expansive as it is in the books, or in the original treatment for the script, and I think that hurt the movie. I think it should have been a true crossover film, and and I I just think I'm immediately taken out of it a little bit with when the when. You end the old old stuff just on Kirk dying and there's no more there to, you know, you don't see a moment of his funeral. They immediately fade right to, right to Picard and his crew doing some lame holodeck bullshit. And then everything that happens to them is, I did not like the fact that they killed, I mean, I guess I don't mind that they killed Picard's family, but it was a little weird. And, it, and I, I kept imagining when it first happened that you, they were going to tell you later that Q, the Q had something to do with it because they, like, they didn't like what Q did in All, Th- All Good Things. And I think more than anything, that's the biggest problem with Generation 2. All Good Things, even though it's the perfect series ender, would have been a better movie. Would have been a better first movie, and then maybe the second one be a sort of generations movie. I, again, I'm recanoning how they should have done things, but I, I'm not avert. I'm not against the idea of ending the series before all good things, finding a better series ender thing, and be to be conti- or and even end that last episode unconventionally with the whole, the whole beginning of of All Good Things with Deanna and Worf coming out of the holodeck and being all lovey-dovey and Picard running to him in their underwear. It could have been some bridge episode to that leading into the events of All Good Things and have All Good Things be the first next-generation film followed up by a Generations, followed up by a first content. And then you don't need Insurrection and and Nemesis could have been better. I, I don't, again, I'm recanonizing it, but... I guess that's what I feel about about what they should have done with Generations because I, I do feel like there is some good there. There is some good there. The, I enjoy the whole Picard and, and Shatner scene. That extended period is entertaining to me. I get emotional when Kirk dies. You can't, you can't help it. Next on their list is
1: Search for Spock undoes much of what was great about its immediate predecessor, The Wrath of Khan, It's so much fun that you can hardly blame it. In fact, this is probably the Trek movie that's most like an episode of the old show, right down to the fisticuffs between Kirk and the borderline camp villain played by Christopher Lloyd. I will have Genesis! Genesis. Give me Genesis! By the time Kirk realizes he (laughs) must sacrifice the Enterprise to save his friend, Mm. well, he may very well wind up crying, for a starship. My god. What have they I done? done? What
0: Now come on. That it's it's hard once I actually spell this out to try to make my list. I need a pen and paper to to actually figure this out. <laughs> Pause, pen and paper, figure this out. But I would 3 gets a lot of shit. I think because it's stuck in between two really great movies, too, and it is a really, really good movie. It I love Kirk showing his balls and 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 giving that snotty, friggin' rich snobby doofus guy that that plays that character and everything he's in. His comeuppance, and I just like everything that happens in that movie. I like Christopher Lloyd as a villain. We never really have a formidable Klingon opponent in a movie, and he seems formidable. You also have Dan Dan Fielding as a Klingon from Night Court fame, and I always love when you have different and, and it makes me wonder <laughs> I love that you have two Night Court people in the Star Trek universe, as well as two people from Seventh Heaven, which I don't like as much, but you have two people from Night Court with, uh, with Brent Spiner and uh, Dan Larroquette. Very interesting. This <laughs> Why did I only play the Insurrection trailer? I have all the trailers here, but, eh, fuck them.
1: <laughs> put, But I did play the Insurrection one, so God bless you. Next. The Next Generation crew had their greatest success five. on the big screen with First Contact. Bringing the classic villains the Borg into the mix proved to be the perfect way to mm. attract the non-Trekkie audience. And the Trekkies too, of course. Assimilate this. Riker himself, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, directed this one, combining cool action with a good dose of humor. some pretty creepy moments as well it's actually a pretty densely packed film with time travel the first warp flight in star trek's history and even a deep space 9 shout out but it's Picard's struggle that drives the film haunted as he is by these robotic boogeymen from his past i will make them pay for what they've done
0: now the problem most people have with this movie that i've heard is they think that it treads backwards. It takes stuff that Picard has gotten through in the episode Family and goes backwards on that, like I said. And Picard's acting very out of character. You know what I say to that? Shut up. I I, I agree with you. You're right. But shut up. Stop making good points. The thing is, I don't care. I enjoy it. It's a popcorn flick. You needed. to Patrick Stewart won his action movie. He got his action movie. You can... It's hard to believe with after all the events of Next Generation, and then even if you consider in Generations, that Picard would go through that at that point. He had been through it. He had faced the Borg again, I believe, since then. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, he had with, a few times, actually, with the whole Hugh situation and stuff. But and you never really saw that i mean it was more fear than rage and then suddenly you throw in the queen and stuff I, all of that being said i enjoyed it i can't help it it's probably is probably is my favorite next generation movie like i said i have to really look at this for a second but again the first time i saw it before i really looked into the plot holes and things like that very much entertaining. I saw the Defiant was there. I mean, that excited me on a whole different kind of level. A Deep space 9 level.
1: So next, number four. The Undiscovered Country does what the greatest Star Trek stories do. It's a metaphor for what was happening in the world when it was made. Mm-hmm. That means that in Captain Kirk's final mission, he must help tear down the Berlin Wall. Or the Klingon equivalent, anyway. And you know how Kirk feels about those Klingons. Let them
0: die.
1: (laughs) Full of intrigue, it's refreshing how the film is willing to break with some of Star Trek's stodgy old ideals. Yeah, sometimes the good guys can be... bad guys. (laughs) Exciting, fun, and touching. It's the perfect swan song for the classic crew.
0: I'd have it higher on my list. It's probably... It's one of my favorite movies I've seen in my life. I really love that movie and and I know a lot of people say it was the perfect swan song. At the end, I always wanted more adventures. I wanted to hear what the crew was doing in between the time of that t- to the time when they finally came back 2 years later and were decommissioned. I it's it is a perfect send-off movie and there's so much honesty in what the characters and the and the actors themselves were going through at the time, uh, especially with Shatner and Nimoy and that scene that they were discussing, <clears throat> have they become obsolete and things like that. The one drawback, as much as I do enjoy Kim Cattrall, I know initially they hoped to get Kirstie Alley back for that, to have it be savvic. It would have ma- made more sense. But I'm not gonna be nitpicky about that. For the most part, I love the movie. Two great stories. I love. I love the counterpoint at the beginning when it it, it legitimately tricks you at for a moment when you realize that Spock's on top of it. That Kirk and Spock never lose control, and uh, and I like that. And you get a lot of great one-liners. It's 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 funny. It 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 it's funny and serious, and good payoffs.
1: J.J. Abrams made Star Trek viable again in 2009 with his big-budget reboot. The film was flashy and exciting, and it won over mainstream audiences in a big way. True, Abrams played fast and loose with Trek continuity, but dropping that very continuity and starting from scratch is undoubtedly one of the film's greatest strengths, and it leaves this new Star Trek free to chart its own course.
0: Yeah, I enjoy the J.J. Abrams movie. I wouldn't put it so high, but it is great, and I do enjoy the fact that instead of instead of messing with previous continuity, he decided to have such a catastrophic event happen to change the way history would pan out. So that way he has a complete clean slate, and Star Trek universe in general has a clean slate to not have to go too far into the future, and you can explore the next generation age again in an alternate world, which I think is smart because... because smart and dangerous. It's dangerous if they decide to recast the next generation and have like a young next generation cast. I don't think that will work. But it is cool if maybe they do something in that time period in the alternate universe. That would be neat. Number two,
1: another Star Trek film that was able to reach across the aisle is *The Voyage Home*, which brought a new level of humor to Kirk's crew in their big screen adventures. Well, I'm double dumbass on you! The gang must save the future by going back to the past. They also have to save the whales, which is about as on the nose as you can get for a franchise mm-hmm. famous for its social conscience. Yep. But it works. It's actually great, and after all the heartache and heavy lifting of the first three films, the light tone here is something of a revelation. Admiral, there'll be whales here.
0: Now, that was the movie that, in a lot of ways, got me into Star Trek not being a Star Trek fan, and that's what it did more than anything. It brought in casuals. It was the we of the Star Trek movies. It brought in a lot of casual people that weren't fans of Star Trek, that thought it was stodgy, thought it was too cerebral. It They just didn't get it or want to get it, and I have to give it credit for that. I think it gets a little overhyped. It does have some amazingly funny lines and funny moments, and... Good performances, especially by Leonard Nimoy, who puts in an amazing performance, I think, and and Shatner has some of the best one lines in the movie. It's Shatner at his funniest. Before you realized how funny Shatner is in real life, it was a, it was a signs to come for future Shatner. And and I think each character has a good few moments. I think I think it has one of my favorite parts of any Star Trek movie, the whole Bones being at the hospital and dealing with modern day, or at the time modern day medicine, and calling it the Dark Ages and things like that. It, got, it gave McCoy a perfect platform to go McCoy crazy. And number one on their list, no doubt, is...
1: Without a doubt, the best of the franchise. Without Rather a doubt, color and without life, a back doubt. To the Enterprise, after the drab first film in the series. Director Nicholas Meyer also made this episode personal for Kirk. Not only must he face a demon from his past, but he must also confront a true unknown to him, the prospect of losing, the prospect of death. Star Trek II cleverly calls out to the old TV show, while also expanding on it, bringing in a next generation of characters, if you will, Uh that unfortunately didn't last much past this film. Packed with action, heart, and wisdom, the Wrath of Khan has been and always shall be the greatest Star Trek film of them all. I young.
0: In your opinion. Now, I guess we gotta get to what my top list are. We already went through my bottom part of my list, so let's go through it right away. My least favorite of all the Star Trek movies is The Motion Picture. That is number 11 on my list. Followed by Insurrection, and then followed by The Final Frontier. This is where it gets harder, folks. This is where it gets more difficult. The next one I would probably put on the list would have to be God, Generations. Then it would be Generations. I, I think I enjoy Generations, but I don't enjoy it as much as Nemesis all in all. I don't think I do. God, I can't believe I said that. I I think Generations in some ways is a slightly better movie, but I I enjoy watching Nemesis more. I I can't explain it. I think it's cuz of Tom Hardy. I think cuz it's more of a Brent Spiner story in some ways and I get so much joy out of watching Brent Spiner work. Then next on that list would be Nemesis. Yeah, it would be Nemesis after after Generations. And then, followed up by... Okay, this is where it gets a little interesting. I would then put... I would then put the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Followed by... Followed by First Contact. Followed by Search for Spock. Followed by Star Trek 4, Voyage Home, Star Trek 2, Khan, and my favorite Star Trek is Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country. Okay. Do I think... my to- Let's talk about my top three for a second, which is, you know, similar popular top three. Would be Voyage Home being number three, Star Trek 4, Voyage Home being number three. And Star Trek, and Star Trek, Wrath of Khan being number two. Let me tell you what, I think Wrath of Khan's probably the best movie. As a film, if I was judging it as a film student analyzing this movie, giving them a star rating, Wrath of Khan would probably be the highest on the list. J.J. Abrams would probably be higher on the list. My favorite is Undiscovered Country. I just enjoy that movie the most. I get the most emotional watching it. I relate to the characters the most, specifically Kirk and Spock. And I enjoy seeing the seeing the original cast in a more... I, I feel, having been on the air at the same time as Next Generation, it feels more like a whole universe. I feel more about what's going on in Starfleet. I feel more... It's the one film I truly feel like that universe could turn into what the Next Generation universe was. And I would have liked to see that progression a little bit better through time. But So that's why that movie, in a lot of ways, is my favorite of the Star Trek movies. So yeah, that came out this week. And and I wanted to talk about the movies anyway on on this show today, so I figured why not go through their list and give you guys my list of my top films. Another thing that caught my eye this week, and the other thing I really wanted to talk about today, was a commercial, actually. A commercial that has been out for how long is this thing? It was published on May 6th, and it's already gotten almost 4 million views. And of course, on YouTube, likes about 36,000 likes and 700 dislikes, and in YouTube fashion, 700 people that have no soul, and so let's watch, or not watch, listen, I'm going to be watching, you're going to be listening, listening to this commercial that you can find if you just type in Zachary Quinto and Leonard Nimoy the challenge if you want to watch along, but here's the audio from it.
1: Hello, check. (laughs) Check and meet my young friend. How about another challenge? You want to play a round of golf at the club and get some lunch? Whoever gets to the club last buys lunch. Stand by to have your wallet emptied by a tractor beam.
0: (laughs) Anything's possible, but probably not that. My first comment at the very beginning of this is, to me, this isn't Spock versus Spock. That's what it's getting called. Excuse me. Now, let me get one thing straight. This isn't Spock versus Spock. That's what it's getting called. But to me, it seems more like Siler versus Spock. I know was my second hero reference of the day, and I guess there is some sort of, there's obviously many connections to the hero's universe with Star Trek. Leonard or not Leonard Nimoy, uh, Zachary Quinto being being there, one of the Spocks being the ma- main, one of the main antagonists, uh, George Takei being a uh, father to one of the main characters of the show and uh, hero himself, and also the lovely Nichelle Nichols is also makes a, <laughs> also, also, she as well makes a guest appearance in the second season, I believe, playing another character's mother and or grandmother or auntie or some loved one of some fashion. But to me, this just seems like he looks so Siler-like. I can't help it. I think so. Back to the commercial. <laughs> now, if you don't... If you're, it's the commercial is for Audi, and just to give you a little visual description of what just happened, when you hear all that amazing music you just heard, it's Zachary Quinto getting into his Audi. You know everything's computer operated machine. You know he's it feels like Star Trek. He's getting into it and he's blasting off. And then they just cut. Uh, he fits his golf clubs neatly into the back of his trunk, snugly. Then you cut to Leonard Nimoy who has what looks like a Mercedes and he has to open the trunk with his hand lock, and he and he can't fit his golf clubs. What, what I'm going to bring it back to right now is he's struggling to squeeze his golf clubs into the back, into the trunk of his car that he cannot do. <laughs> <laughs> he eventually throws them down and acts frustrated. Back over to Quinto. Gets to the GPS display when he pushes a magic button. The display comes up. Massages his bottom. Over to over to Nimoy, who's 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 buckling in his golf clubs in the front of the car into the front seat, and just looking disheveled in general. And he's still one of the funniest guys on the planet, Leonard Nimoy. Oh my God.
1: Of the earth in the land of Shire, there's a brave little hobbit we all
0: admire. The best part of the whole commercial. Fuzzy wooden toes.
1: Lives in a hobbit hole, and everybody knows him. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggin's the bravest little hobbit of all. Yeah.
0: Now, all in all, like the rest of the commercial is really good. There's a couple of exceptionally funny parts, but to be that's the that's the peak. That's the orgasm in the middle of this commercial is him singing the Bilbo Baggins song. It's being so self-aware, and and something new from him that we haven't seen. I mean, a lot of these other jokes are things we've seen in interactions he's had with Shatner or in different you know different brands of his humor. But this is the first time I've ever heard him poking fun at the Bilbo Baggins song. And I, you know, obviously with the Hobbit and everything, it's more probably the mainstream. So he's like, oh, I can bring up that song again, but. It just cracks me up. It would be like Shatner talking doing, you know, talking about Rocket Man directly or doing a remake of Rocket Man.
1: Go, Bilbo. Paul Leonard. Go. Hey, where are you? Use your sensors. <laughs> no need. I'm already here. Cuz they're already? I feel like I'm stuck in a black hole. No worries. I can practice my sp- <laughs> a little comment,
0: a little stupid reference to the JJ, a little slide at the new film. If you need to pull over and take a nap,
1: smartass. <laughs> I have been and always shall be <laughs> your friend. <laughs> really. I had... A nice try, you No, wish. no, no, I definitely had... Not for a second. Obviously, you're buying lunch. Technically, we're not inside yet. And he just... I'll see you inside. <laughs> They're racing there, and
0: uh, and he gave them the neck pinch, and Quinto passed out. Siler should go cut his head open. And then it gets into the Audi stuff. An Audi cab comes up. I love this commercial. Fascinating. Fascinating. So that is the commercial that Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto came out. And I'm excited that they decided to put that out, considering that Leonard Nimoy, well, to my mind, is most likely not in the new film. And I think him and Quinto had a good chemistry in the scenes that they were in together, and obviously will have a love for each other. And that's what I'll say more probably more than the rest of them. I mean, I have seen some things with with uh Pine and Shatner and 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 they they do have an interesting chemistry as well, but to me Leonard Nimoy even more than Shatner is the symbol of that age of Star Trek. So everybody this has been really fun talking to you today about the movies, and Star Trek Month's been really great so far, for me anyways, in these last two episodes, really getting to explore why I love Trek, and, that, and that's what I'm doing, and I hope that some of this has been entertaining for you guys as well. Uh, next week, we, we hope to get him on this week, but we had a couple scheduling conflicts, but we, I hope to have two guests for you next week. Uh, Gotti, my cousin, who's, who's one of the oldest Star Trek fans I know, and or one of the oldest no he's not that old what i mean is he's one of the people that that i've known the longest being star trek fan um i'm also going to try to get my cousin alan on in some form maybe in a voicemail my friend tim and uh steve the dude as well steve was supposed to come here to play basketball and record this but because of the where i am today is very rainy and drabby it looks like Ferengana are out there uh, the mucks, <laughs> the, the swamps of Ferenginar, are. And uh, because of that, you know, transportation issues become a problem and basketball, you know, I'm not 12 anymore and can't go outside and play basketball in the rain. No matter how nice it is out. But at the end of next week, it's not only my birthday, Crazy Issue's birthday, but it's also the new Star Trek movie. I'm really excited. I can't wait. Oh yeah, I'm exploding out of every orifice of my body. I don't know if you could hear that, folks. I am. I'm exploding. I, I, I'm shitting myself in excitement and anticipation for this new picture. And I really enjoy the fact, again, it seems that all these connections and these remakes and these... And these people coming back together after long periods of time are happening in commercials. And I'm not sure if I completely like that. I, w- I would have rather see them do something on, not that I'm giving the site a pub, but something on Funny or Die. I know they did it for money and everything, so they do it in an Audi commercial. And the fact that it's an Audi commercial takes a little bit of the love of it out of there, and the fact that my 90210 reunion was on on an old navy commercial and in all sorts of the Ghostbusters reunion seems to have been in a video game. Which is a really great game if you haven't played it already. But Star Trek. I mentioned this last week. I personally think the films have been great. Some have been great, some have been good, some have been eh eh wasted potential. But I mentioned this last week when I talked more about the T V series. I do think Star Trek works better in the television medium. It gives it more time to expand on stories, more time to explore characters, more time to go, go and venture adventure 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 adventure. The the experience, the challenge, the adventure has to be at a significant level of danger and and stakes to really warrant a A film, a one movie directly about that, because ultimately when it comes down to it, a Star Trek movie is less time, you know, run lengthwise as is or is about the same lengthwise as two as two part episodes. So to me, if you're actually going to do a film, if you're going to turn something into a movie, it needs to. There needs to be a reason. It needs to have some cinematic significance to be able to dictate to the film. It can't be something you look at and you go, oh, that could have just been a TV show. I do feel like the original cast did that better. I feel, well, thunder. I feel like maybe they didn't have the time on the television series in to explore their characters. It was a different era. So more was explored in the movies. And you had a focus on three main characters, which is a little easier. But the original series films are pretty cinematic, and they do a great job. I do wish that we had more television series from those characters. I mentioned that again last week. I wish there was a series that bridged six with Next Generation. But it was hard, It would have been hard to get all of them to agree to do a television series at that time. Maybe a miniseries they could have done if they pushed it and had the right dollars. But, you know... Maybe if, and I don't wish this, but maybe if Next Generation hadn't been successful, we might have gotten that. But because it started to take off, you know, you're never going to see that. You did get certain elements like Spock coming back for the Unification episode, Relics episode, Bones in the Bones in the in the uh, pilot episode, uh, encounter at Farpoint. So, but at my feeling though. Is that Star Trek works better for the most part as a television series? The movies were great examples, but you need to have the significant challenge, a significant situation, to warrant a film. And I think in most of the next generation films, this wasn't the case. Uh, generations, I still I think Generations could have been a two part ep- two or three part episode. Of the series. I I think it even looks like the TV series. Part of that's the problem with the ship that they deal with at the end of that movie, but it feels like the TV series to me. Then we get to First Contact, which feels like a film. That's a film. The Borg Challenge. Then you get to Insurrection, and it's post the Dominion War, and you have Deep Space Nine, which the whole last season of Deep Space Nine, that's the fl- the whole last five seasons of Deep Space Nine could have got edited down to like two three to three three hour movies or something like that. That would have been action fucking packed. Take out some of the filler episodes, take up some of the some of the television exposition and and the way they look and the way that is just a giant build up to uh to a huge situation then payoff after payoff. I think insurrection feels feels flaccid compared to all that and especially and even compared to the movie that preceded it it didn't need to be a film there was it that wasn't a big enough danger to anything yeah yeah people in the federation are, uh, but who cares about this captain guy maybe if it was that that bitch admiral that we dealt with a bunch of times Nechev or whatever her own name was I forget the one that like the one that hated Data the one that you know she comes in Deep Space Nine a couple of times she's a real yeah like, someone we know, someone we cared about. The Admiral from Deep Space Nine or something. I don't, who knows? But no. No, it's just nothing we care about. In Nemesis, Nemesis feels like a film to me, but again, it, I mean, you deal with, you deal with Romulan-type stuff. I think it should have dealt even more into the Romulan culture and everything dealing in that situation. But what it did do, it did well and felt, felt to me like a film so two did two didn't (laughs) so I really as I as I said hope that the success of the J.J. Abrams movies that I'm very excited about do in the future lead to the hope of a Star Trek series because and and I'm going to repeat myself something I said last week television TV series, mini series, however you want to voice it, to me that's the greatest way of showing off entertainment these days. I think everything else, I think films lack the time, the runtime, to significantly show me the things I want. Some people say, yeah, but a great film will always beat a great television series. I don't I don't agree with that. I think I think the best mob movie or anything of all, pretty much since *The Godfather* is *The Sopranos*. I think *The Sopranos* is better than *Goodfellas*. I think that's better than *Casino*. I think it's better than any other mob movie you want to throw out there. And I think it as a series—sorry for the S—I think as a series as a whole, it's the best. I think it could even rival *The Godfather* if you really looked into it. But that being said, you need to have *The Godfather* to have, for *The Sopranos* to be as successful as it was. Just for the humor, just for the meta humor of making fun of it and looking into it. So I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Deep Space Nine as a whole is better than any of the Next Generation movies, and up there ranking with what I consider uh, some of the some of the original series movies. I think some of the some of the three and two part episodes of Next Generation, like Worf's whole arc there with the. Uh, I was going to say Unification again, uh, where he has to save his father's name. I'm blanking on the name of it, and I know I could pause, but you guys know the series, episodes I'm talking about, when he loses his honor and then he gets it back, goes to that camp, all that sort of stuff. I'm really insulting my check. Redemption. Thank you. And then I forget what the other ones are called. But but Next Generation's two- and three-parters inf- are, are, in a lot of cases, better than most of the films. The people that are a fan of Voyager, some of the best Voyager episodes are those multi-part episodes. Yeah, I'm going to compliment Voyager. Deal with it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's it for this week, guys. I want to thank everyone for listening. You can check out all my podcasts and some of my news articles and and little videos I make and all sorts of silliness at my website, issuesprogram.com. Please check that out. Check out all the stories, share with your friends and such. You can also find my friends' podcasts and all their fun stuff, bostonbasterbrigade.com b3crew.com. Check out the Land of Ash, the Ash Sisters, some of the best video game and geek culture coverage out there. Check out Jace Down Studios. Please check out Down Studios and some of the things they've been producing recently and I've been a part of and I and I hope you guys enjoy all that stuff that's been happening. And also I don't know, who else do I want? If you wanna if you wanna follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at I Got Issues Man. Search me on Facebook if you search the Issues Guy. You can call, text in if you have any comments or anything you wanna say about Star Trek or anything else, Any anything you want me to talk about on the show, any problems you need any help with or advice, you can call, leave me a message at 781-990-8509. Again, that's 781-990-8509. You can call or text that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just think of it as personal drunk dialing and drunk texting. Anything you want to say or do when that phone line's ringing. Yeah, the messages can only hold up like two minutes it's a free google voice number so so if you get disconnected call on back again <laughs> do it and do it a lot but again I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in I'd like to thank all my friends for sending me some uh, emails about your love for star trek and you can send any more you have to to the issues guy at issues or issues at issues excuse me and uh, or or I got issues man at gmail.com. Both those emails work. Hopefully hear from you guys soon about more Star Trek and more things you would like me to talk about on my show. Again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. I will be back next week to talk some more Star Trek with some of my friends. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.